Hello and welcome to the 79th episode of Long Live Play, the number one Australian PlayStation podcast and proudly a part of the Pixels Podcast Network, the show where you can get your fortnightly dose of PlayStation news, lukewarm takes and mental breaks, hosted by myself, Govinda Whitehurst, and the spores to my tongue feelers, Mr. Kale Adam. If you like what you hear, you can and should review us on any service that will allow it. Follow us on Twitter at Long Live Pod and our individuals are there as well if you'd like. Kale just talks about his baby now. It's a bit boring and mundane, but hey, what are you going to do? With that out of the way, Kale, how are you going? Well, I guess it's let's let's get to the point. How's your baby going? She's that's only what two months about. old. How dare you be bored of her right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's great, actually. She sleeps a lot, which is a blessing. Oh, I really wish that I didn't ask you the question. Yeah, it's very nice. She's. I will say, I, I tweeted about this, but the farts are very surprising to me. They are loud are constant and just so inappropriate when she does I them. really hope you've been recording them for her 21st birthday party when you can show we all should do that. friends. But they yeah. really are man-sized. That's, I feel like that's offensive to me, but sure. <laughs> it upsets the why aren't, they, why aren't women's farts as, as loud as man's farts, you know? What do you mean? I mean, if women want to wear that mantle of having the largest smellier farts, <laughs> they're welcome to it. I just, you know, I you associate... sound just like someone who would buy Hogwarts Legacy. <laughs> guess so. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, uh, she's good. She's giggling. Which yeah, is, that's good. That's a good. Time. Yeah, it's the pretty smiles exciting. and the giggles really, really kick it off. I feel yeah. like they come through just as you're about to break. Like just at your your breaking point, then they start laughing and giggling and smiling, and you're like, you're all right. That's the thing. I feel like this smart crib has been cheating because we just don't feel like that. Erin and I were talking this morning. It's like, I'm, I'm not tired. If anything, I sleep more now. This has been this has been fine. Either all the other parents in all of world history are massive babies and like just can't fucking hack it in the way that we can. Or I think there was a little bit... It was a little bit oversold. You know, I think it was a little bit oversold from the other parents when they talked about how hard it was. I guess you also bought a like fifteen hundred dollar like nanny, essentially. Like, don't talk about what the money that, that I what spent. that crib what that crib does is what you would normally be doing as a normal parent. Yeah, and I've outsourced it. I've just eliminated those jobs. Yeah, yeah. You're like those rich people who get nannies to raise their children, and then by the end of it, the children know more about the nanny and relate more to the nanny than the actual parents who are distant and absent. I was wondering if like wet nurses are morally okay in this day and age. It's uh... huh. <laughs> that is a moral conundrum. I don't. It I, is. Look, if you, you do you, I guess I don't like. I will. I will say this, and like I don't. I don't know how prevalent this is or not, but there's a very interesting thing that happens when you have a baby and you speak to health professionals and, like, one of the first questions they ask you is, is your baby breastfed? Right? Which seems like the default, but I imagine there's people that can't. The intonation when they ask you if your baby is breastfed, it's like when a doctor asks you if you're a smoker. You know? Like, it's, like, yeah, clearly... there's a lot of, like... There's, it's a there's loaded, a right answer. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's very interesting to me, but... Yeah. Well, yeah, she's getting that breast milk, that good lucky stuff. Lucky she is. Yeah, look, outside of that... Oh, uh, ooh, is this the right appropriate time to talk about this, uh, about the Steam Deck? I, I, that's literally kind of what I thought this was going to go into. Yeah, yeah, I asked yeah, about yeah. your so, child, mistakenly asked you about your child, and I should have not done that. I got the deck, and it is something else. It is... 
it's just hard to talk about because it's not like it's going to blow you away, but it's also at the same time the coolest handheld I've ever seen. Like, it doesn't really... It can't really handle modern games, but the fact that you can have older games like XCOM or Bioshock, you know, running at 200 frames Mm. on a handheld is... There is something undeniably cool about it, even if it isn't exactly, like, the most ideal... You know, it's a support accessory is what I mean. Like, you should still have a PC, I think. But... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, no, for sure. I think there's something... It looks awesome, and I, I would like one. But also, there's a part of me that looks at it and thinks that... I, I think a Steam Deck 2 is going to be the real yeah. entry point. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I, th- I think that's, get that's a, fair. The, the thing that really turns me off, it, and it, it's unavoidable with the power that it has, is just the fans. Like, the fans just cranking and being loud, and it's it looks relatively bulky, and I think mm. given enough time, if they get to a point maybe in five years where they do, like, a Steam Deck 2, that'll be the real, mwah, the real point. It is just shocking, like, holding the... Just the, what is a trash handheld at this point, the Nintendo Switch, and then touching this thing? And it really is the difference between, like... It's not even a good comparison, but like a cheap phone and an iPhone, right? It's like you the build quality is just through the fucking roof. Like the everything about it is so nice. The buttons, like the the sticks on the thing are better than a dual sense. Like they're the best analog sticks I've ever felt. And like the customization of it would have you losing your mind. Like what you can do with the buttons and on a system level too. So that you're like running the game and you remap it. Not even, like, the game, if that makes sense. Like, you're not changing the controls in the game. You're changing it on a system level to yeah, do it's whatever like the you DualSense want. Yeah, like Pro or the DualSense. I imagine this is more in-depth, but anyway, I don't know how Well, like, it would be because it's got touch sensors on... I know the Steam Deck has, like, sensors in the thumbstick, so it knows that you've taken them off and then will activate the trackpad underneath and shit like that. So, obviously, yeah. it is. Uh, but I just mean, at a system level, the... Uh, what's it called? The DualSense... Uh, edge? DualSense Edge yeah. uh, has similar stuff where you can re- you can change like the response curve of your aiming on your stick on the OS of the PS5 and it will do it for that controller, not just the game that you're playing. That's cool. Yeah, that's the um, kind I, of thing. I, I did literally, fa- I found out the DualSense Edge released the other day and I literally went to buy one and then realized I couldn't buy one because they're all sold out everywhere. And EB gave me a, uh, they said early March. Oh, okay. That's. And I mean, I, I'm almost glad that that happened because I'm in my gap because I took two weeks off over Christmas. I'm not getting paid until the 17th, so like another two and a half weeks from now. Hmm. And so I'm glad I didn't buy it because I kind of forgot about that and that was going to be a very expensive purchase <laughs> on a whim. So I didn't do it. Did you see the article on IGN from Brian Altano about how it's time for PlayStation to do another handheld? Vaguely. I didn't read it. I want one. I do. I That's it. Too. All I need is trophy support on this Steam Deck. And I, and well, the, the Steam Deck's uh, f- biggest barrier to me is its price point. Yeah, that's fair enough. Like it a, is very a $1,200. Like you're buying a... I can build a PC, probably yeah. similar specs, but obviously similar, you have it in your hand. Yeah, Actually, the, probably better specs, honestly. I've seen a few... Uh, you'd be surprised. I've seen a few videos where people try and do exactly that. Like for what they pack into the thing, it is pretty impressive because the, you wouldn't... The packaging be, is the impressive part. Yeah. Like fitting it into the form factor is the impressive part. Because you, like, sure. you got to remember, it has things like really high-tech gyros, which would not be present in any PC you could build for that price. Like, you wouldn't be able oh, to... Oh, obviously. But at the same time, yeah. I 
avoid gyro controls at all costs at any point. So I generally do, but even like down to the pads, like the they're surprisingly good. Like again, the whole thing. Next time you come up, like you'll have, get on the sticks and tell me what you think. It's really fucking good. Oh, for sure. But yeah, the the price point is definitely the biggest barrier. Like I would love PlayStation to release like a five hundred dollar handheld. You know? I will say this about it though: it's put me in a strange spot where like there's certain games. I want to play on PlayStation still and get trophies. And that's just me, you know, say what you will. And then there's also this, like, level of super action-y games I don't necessarily want to play on the yeah. deck. Like, I'd rather that be on a console or at least PC with a controller. So it, it's sort of becoming, like, a turn-based strategy system. Like, I'm playing XCOM, I'm playing Crisis Core, which is really good. But then, like... It's pretty action-y, too. It is, but it's also um, perfectly it designed, designed for a handheld. Handheld, yeah, like the mission structures and things. Like that's really good, just to pick up and go, kind of thing. But yeah, I think I'm just gonna play a shitload of JRPGs on this thing, which is not. Maybe it is the use for it because again, it can't handle like the most graphically intense things. Yeah, maybe that is. Yeah, maybe like the all your trails games and yeah. trails games and. And it is like it's quite interesting because yeah, like you. The original Bioshock remastered, that'll run at 200 frames. Like, Fallout 4 is running at 80 frames, like, mid Oh, uh, I'd almost be like, that'd be the perfect one for, like, doing your Final Fantasy 12 yeah. playthrough, you know? That's kind of it. I think it's just... It'd, uh, it'd run it well. Yeah, it's an interesting little beast, but I, I really like it. I saw you boot up Dead Space. I don't know whether you actually played it or not. Oh, dude, I definitely... Well, how long is this game? Roughly, like, what, 10 hours? Ah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that. Um, I'm like probably halfway through it. Yeah, right. I'm like literally, I haven't played it in like three days. I'm terrified of it. I need Aaron in the room. It's so scary to me. I can't handle it. <laughs> You're such a little wimp. It's definitely scary, but then I get to a point, especially with, with any scary game I've ever played, I get to a point where I just know what to kind of expect from it and it doesn't scare me anymore. And so this game, it's so awesome. And I I forgot how awesome this game yeah, was until I was it really playing is. it again. But then there's also the... Enemies are in front of me, and I'm like, I guarantee there's one behind me. Yeah. And I just get used to that. And so there's a point where, like, I got to a point where I have the, the pulse rifle, and I'll drop one of the mines behind me, and I'll walk forward, and then something happens, and I'll hear it blow up behind me because something spawned behind me while yeah. I'm shooting things in front of me, and I can anticipate that. But it is so damn good, and it's wild. The vent system is crazy. Like, you know, like, they can re-go into the vents like if if an enemy is too far away from you it will just enter the vent system again and it, and ah, it can respawn i didn't know that yeah like it's not as predictable as you think like they can redeploy uh quite i would quickly. say 75 percent of the time that i get into a into a, an engagement with something in front of me in a hallway 70 yeah. percent of the time there's one behind me in the hallway too I've definitely seen that trick. I'm I'm only uh just into chapter two actually. I think I've played it for like two hours or three hours maybe. Uh, I'm confused about what chapter I'm up to because I'm I'm also playing Tactics Ogre, which is tra- chapter based, and I'm a, a yeah, similar chapter um, point in both of them, and I don't know which one's which. But I I, think, I just got to the main command deck, and from there you get elevators to go to a bunch of different decks. It's kind of like your hub not a hub but like it kind of it's kind of like your base from there where you can go off and do everything we should probably say up front that this is like a pretty ambitious remake like it has a lot of stuff in it that wasn't in the first and what you're saying is kind of pretty crucial like the fact that it's sort of an open world game whereas the original dead space had levels like you you didn't really go back 
to places, whereas oh, this one... I didn't really... I, I, it's been so long since I played, I didn't really notice that. Like, is that the... You know how you have, like, level one access, level two access? Is that, was that in the original? No. All ah, those rooms are go. new. Like, the, that's just another thing. And they've added this, like, um, AI director, whereas, like, when you would backtrack in that game, everything would just be dead. Maybe, you know, there'd be a whatever. But now the AI is able to respawn enemies. Uh, oh. depending on how you're doing, what your ammo is like. and The the only f- really scary part that I got to is like uh, pretty early on in the game, and it's hap- it happens more after this, but the first time it happens is like you get to a point, you've got to sw- go to a fuse box and you've got to swap the power to something else. And oh, yeah, you realize yeah. that you, you have to sacrifice the lights. And so that you was... can have the elevator and the thing that you need. And I was like, it's so Damn good. It. The one... um. The one they talk... I read an interview with one of the guys from the team and they were saying, like, there's one where they make you choose between oxygen and light. So it's yeah, like you can... that as well. Yeah, so, like, you've got to have the one for the door and then it's, do you want to do it in the dark or do you want to do it against time because you're running out of air? Like, and yeah. that's, like, a conscious decision that you have to make. Like, it's, it's good. I... I actually really love the no air moment because you obviously you go into a vacuum, so you lose all your sound as well. Yeah, and that's that's like such a trip because the game I rely so heavily on sound. Like I hear something break, I know something's coming. Like you could hear them coming for you, but when you're in zero gravity, no sound in a vacuum, all of a sudden something just comes at you, and you've got to deal with it. And you're like, ah, like it's it's yeah, super good, it's super sick. I'm I'm very keen to get back to it. And you are right. Like, even the last time I played, we kind of, like, got into a good rhythm. And you do, like, stop getting so scared. It's more just, like, there's an adrenaline when you're fighting these Yeah, it's just tense, things. right? It's just, like, a tense kind of thing. It's the same with, like, The Last of Us. The, the game itself has scary moments, but it's I wouldn't call it a scary game. It's just, it's super tense because I know at any point something could pop out. And yeah. So, there's not very many games like Dead Space where I will walk around with my gun up at all times almost. Yeah. Just like with the flashlight so I can see like turning corners just because I'm like, something's going to fucking come and get me and I need to deal with it. All that's uh, new too, which is really interesting to go back and look at. Like the first game was quite well lit comparatively, like the way lighting yeah. works now. Like now you well, actually just, can't Just see. on the console, they couldn't handle... On an old console, they just couldn't handle better lighting system so yeah that's kind of the way it was back in the day but it is it is very very good i will i i've just been thoroughly enjoying it and i find myself going back to it uh alternatively when i'm not playing dead space i've been playing a lot of tactics ogre reborn mm. and it's really good it is good isn't it i i, I told never, you never played the original but uh, there's some things there's some quality of life things that i would like in there like it took me. I've been. I played probably six, sixteen hours of it so far, uh, and like I still don't know what a lot of the status effects are. Like I know what yeah, they right. are. I don't <laughs> know how they affect me. Like it, I had to look up what fear did because I was like, I'm fearing everyone, but is it worth me doing? Like I don't even know. And then I had to look it up. So it would be nice to have a little bit more info there. And I think the, I don't know, the UI when you're in your character screen is a little bit rough sometimes too. But I don't know. Overall, it's so good. Uh, the story itself is actually surprisingly like yeah, well written, dark and, and adult, and there's some really grim undertones in there of like him taking your sister and yeah, the boys have been lonely and shit, and you're like, oof, oh. this is hectic. The interesting parallel there is that that is essentially the same game that released in like '96. Yeah, yeah. Like down to all of it, like everything you just said, like. The UI and all that—it sucks because right. that's what it was. <laughs> like, it's yeah, what exactly. It like. Right. So, like, 
for that, I get it. And I understand that like Final Fantasy Tactics has probably improved the things that bother me a little bit more because it was a newer game that's come out more recently. But considering how old it is, it is so good and brutally difficult at points. I find yeah. there's, there's really big difficulty spikes that come out of nowhere. Uh, and I'm in like a big, uh, I mean, like, you know, you get into like the run of levels and you can't go and like to a shop. You can't do anything. Yeah, it's while like you're a series of kind of connected. Battles. You have to get through them. I'm on, I'm on one. It's just so hard. And I actually don't know what I can do to beat it without losing people. Because obviously there's permadeath in this, right? Yeah. Like someone goes down, they've got three turns before they are gone. And there's a couple characters that I refuse to lose. Mm. And it's, it's a really tough battle. And I'm on... Oh, it's rough. But I, I've been enjoying it a lot. I've been, it's a good grind. I have been really enjoying the auto battle because I've had to reload yeah. a few times. <laughs> and I didn't want to have to like do it all again. And I was higher level. And so I, you can just set the AI and just let it go and you just get through these battles and I can make dinner at the same time and it's pretty handy uh, but yeah honestly so good I've been frothing it uh, why are archers so bad can you explain this to me oh I actually think they're, they become godlike like if you really focus I always do one just like a super and it's got to be the hawk man you know like the flying the hawk man oh, okay class, you go like... full archer with him okay because oh, i've been yeah. using him as a bit of a i've been using him as a bit of a like hit and run kind of guy like get in do some pretty heavy damage with his one-handed axe and then back out of there pretty quickly as well because uh, there's the whole nice. um range thing like if you're up three squares it like extends the range Gives you three. three squares yeah you get some good shit the Maybe I should make my ninja of like my because you can get ninjas, which I think is so sick, and their ninjutsus <laughs> are awesome. And so I was like, maybe I'll just turn him into a full archer, and just because they can get up higher as well. Yeah, the uh, uh, but it's been really good. I've been I'm surprised. I'm surprised at how hooked I was on it. It's one of those games where like the more you know about it, it's almost like doesn't ruin it, but it can like make it like for example, I know just on maps. Have you ever found just like hidden items? Like, they'll just, like, yeah. dig something up. There's, like, ludicrously powerful weapons in the early s stages. Like, you can find this, oh. like, Thunder Katana that is, like, a huge step up for where you are in the game. And, like, I think it's before you even unlock Ninja kind of thing. Well, I was going to say, like, I, I don't even, like, I don't have anything like that. And I'm, like, what, level 19 and, like, six, yeah. 16 hours into it. So It's one of those things that you can just break wide open if you know what you're doing. Like, and there's mm. guides for it all. Like, it's... Yeah, really, been, really good shit. Surprisingly glued to it. Uh, but yeah, the difficulty spikes have been getting me. The weird thing is I had one the other day similarly where I was like, I can't beat this without getting decimated, like losing like four of the eight people that I put into the battle. And yeah. then I just left it over. I left it overnight. I played some Dead Space. The next day I came back and I just cleaned it up so easily. And I was like, <laughs> what happened? Like what changed? Uh, but no, it's, it's really good. The fact that you can speed things up is so nice. Like, I, I played this game originally on an emulator years and years ago, like, because I think, I think it originally released on Super Nintendo. So I just had, like, a Super Nintendo yeah, emulator and would play it there. But, again, you had to, like, wait for all the spell effects to play out and, like... Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't turned it off fast-forward since yeah, I it's, turned it's... it on. Like, it's been fast-forward the whole time. Because uh, it's a very long game, and that surprised me because I looked it up and it said around 50 hours to beat the story, which seems hectic to me. So I, it is definitely one that I'm kind of just, as I play Dead Space, I, I chisel away at a, a little bit every now and again. Uh, and then I, it actually kind of broke me last night because that one level, I tried it like four times and I yeah. kept losing. 
I kept losing like the flying dude. And yep. I'm like, I can't lose him because he's so crucial. And I lost like another dude. And I was like, I they're like, I can't. I've got, a, I've got a griffin. I've got a couple of dragons. I can lose all of them. I don't care about those. Uh, but I can't lose my boys. <laughs> and I can't buy more of the resurrection stones. I only have one. And so it's a very... I'm treading a fine line and to go back would mean to go back like seven battles yeah and it's they're like can be an hour each some of these yeah. battles like yeah it's yeah. it's pretty so I'm, not, I'm not doing that but hey ju- just before I forget I did want to say uh, there was an interview with the Dead Space developers uh, and they've said that they're already open to doing more more Dead Space yeah which yeah, is really really interesting because Dead Space 2 was always my favourite but the scuttlebutt is Everyone hates Dead Space 3. Maybe they could retcon it out and just... Well, I actually was hearing some murmurs that... Uh, so, this Dead Space has an has a alternate ending that was not in the original. Yes. It also has a and teaser for another game, too, apparently. So, there is the possibility, too, that they would just branch off from Dead Space and make their own sequels. <clears throat> Which is cool. Based on the alternate ending, rather than going into Dead Space Two or Three at all, which is interesting, uh, interesting possibility. I yeah. think I would rather them keep Dead, Dead Space Two and do their own Dead Space Three because Three was bad and Two was good. Uh, but we'll see. We will see. Uh, and other than that, I booted up some Doom Eternal just for no reason at all. I don't know why I do this. Just every now and then, I'm like, I really like the idea of this. Playing it, it's awesome. Like with headphones and. You just kind of get into it, but I'm sort of at the place I always drop out, and I don't know whether I'll keep going. Yeah, look, that was me with uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Like, I just kind of fell off it and haven't gone back to it, and yeah, I don't know. It's not for me. Uh, just re- real randomly, just not even PlayStation related, but have you played Hi-Fi Rush? No. It's on Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass, and what a weird shadow drop game this was. It was actually out of nowhere... Uh, what Tango Gameworks, I think, made it, mm. published by Bethesda. They literally had their showcase and then just released it. And I played a little bit of it. And it's actually super sick. Like, yeah. Kind of bo- cell shaded, Borderlands style kind of humor in there as well. But it's like an action game. And you're just, you have to like fight to the beat. And it's all about music and rhythm. And yeah. when, you can lock, when you can lock into the rhythm and hit your combos and everything the way you should, it's, it's really, really sick. Like your, your light attack is on the beat. And your heavy attack is a two-beat attack. So yeah. you can, like, you've really got to time it. And I played, like, maybe the first 30 minutes of it. And I was like, man, this is really, really good so far. Uh, so part- just a random little thing I played. Part of me can't help but think if, like... Because this game was everywhere. When they just, like, shadow dropped it like that, everyone was losing their mind. They're like, ah, it's so good. It's so incredible. Is it? Is it actually good? Or is it that there's nothing else good on Xbox? <laughs> And it's, like, the first thing they've had in so long that it's, like, got positive buzz. Uh, no, it's actually good. Yeah. It's actually good. And and I was surprised at how much I was enjoying it, even for the little bit that I was playing of it. I'm going to cancel my Game Pass subscription because I realize it's been going for ages and I don't play I anything. So but I, I saw the buzz on the internet and I booted it up. And I was like, no, this is actually sick. I, it's maybe not the best game I've ever played in my life, but I it's I don't... I don't know if I played anything like it, like a like a music-based action game, you know, like a rhythm <laughs> action game. I'm sure it's great. I just saw some like very funny takes where it was like, 
better be good. It's literally game of the year contender for Xbox right now. Like, what else you got coming? <laughs> <laughs> and it's what Red January. Fall, Red Redfall, dude. They've got Redfall. Oh yeah, that's gonna be great. So good, dude. I can't wait. Oh, that was sarcasm. Uh, I don't anyway, know. I. Oh, sorry. I I don't know that we had it in here, but I just thought we could talk about it really quickly. It is interesting that we live in a time where The Last of Us is just fucking gone mainstream now. Do you really, like, remember that there was a Halo TV show like a couple months back? Like, imagine the difference between, like, the PlayStation flagship franchise and the Xbox ones and the differences in those shows... Like they couldn't give we'll a shit about We'll actually kind of talk about that. that a little bit later, honestly. All right. I, I added something in there that you maybe haven't seen yet. Uh, but we will talk kind of about that at some point in the news that we care about. But honestly, we're go- we don't have time. We're running out of time. We've already God run out of time. It. Every time. We didn't, talk- we didn't talk about Crisis Core and we're not going to. We'll talk about it next week because I haven't That's played fair. much, but you have. So let's just we'll keep on moving and we'll move right into our quick fire news. I've mixed this up a little bit because I'm getting sick of our quickfire news bloating out into not quickfire news. So I've, yeah. I've really, like, it is quickfire <laughs> news. You have one sentence that you can respond with, okay? That is, that is the deal that we have. Uh, and we're starting off with some sad news, actually. Actress Annie Wershing, who played Tess in The Last of Us, has passed away. Uh, she passed away at the age of 45 after battling cancer since 2022. Uh, but she continued to work on stuff like the, I think she was the board queen in Star Trek Picard and stuff like that. So that's a bit of sad news, especially considering the show is blowing up right now and whatnot. Kale, thoughts? Yeah, it's obviously very sad. Uh, rest in peace. Next up, Phantom Liberty, the DLC from Cyberpunk 2077, boasts to be the biggest budget CD Projekt Red has ever allocated to DLC. For reference, The Witcher 3 Blood and Wine is presumably the record holder previously. It was like 20 hours plus of content. So that's kind of hectic. Like It just means that it could be a pretty meaty DLC coming from them. Maybe it's not all bug fixes. Yeah, the one thing to note about that is specifically in the interview they specify it has the They mean in terms of money, not necessarily content, because people did say that. They're like, should we expect blood and wine? They're like, oh, well, we'll just see how that shakes out. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean it'll be a bigger game. It just has more money going into it. But that's why I said, let's hope they're not spending all their money on bug fixes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Because, look, if if they can do that to The Witcher, it would make sense. They're going to spend more money. You would get at least parody content. But if they're going to give you 10 hours of content for more money, that doesn't add up to me so who knows uh next up according to tom henderson sony could skip the ps5 pro for the ps6 tom henderson was on twitter hypothesizing the ps5 pro doesn't really make sense in the climate today considering two years later you can only just kind of get them on shelves he tweeted quote it doesn't feel like the regular version has been fully utilized yet and probably won't be on mass until end of the year all i can say is that i've heard more about the ps6 than the ps5 pro end quote yeah, I could absolutely see this. I've just been tooling around with Demon Souls again, just for I'm trying to get the platinum at a very slow pace. But like, I kind of forget what a real PS5 game is, and that lends credence to this. Like, we've barely seen what a PS5 can do. We're still like, yeah, on no, the I'm actually interstitial. Uh, I'm pretty hyped for like Spider-Man because that is going to be Spider-Man Two is going to be like a PS5 game, you know? Yeah, and I think they're doing it because they know it'll sell consoles and it'll get people to buy them and stuff. But I'm kind of looking forward to that maybe end of year time where 
PS4 games are a thing of the past and as they should be. I'm still seeing games getting released that are PS4 only. Like, they're only releasing PS4 versions. That blows my mind. Next up, in an interview with Games Radar, Mora Squire, the narrative director on Hogwarts Legacy, kind of indicated that there'd be a lot of side quests and you can kind of attack them in any order that you would like, saying there's over 100 in total and it can yeah. be totally non-linear, which is cool. It seems like, what, the, you said the story was like 25-ish hours? I believe it was more than that, actually. I think it might be 40 like for a sort of longer playthrough. Interesting to note, because I almost stuffed this up in the headline. I saw other people doing it too. The quests can be played in a non-linear order. They are not non-linear quests. Crucial difference. Uh, crucially, this means that you can say there's Clarify. a hunt. So what that means is there's like a hundred side quests. You can do one, 70, 83. You can do them in any order. It's not like the quests themselves can be solved any way you want them to. That's what a non-linear quest would be, rather than like... Oh, yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah. You can yeah, start yeah. the quest in any order you would like, but the quest has its own quest line that you will follow to the end in a linear fashion. Yeah, it's in, It's an interesting... Uh, it's not like a Witcher 3 side quest where you can end up doing random ways. things that will affect other quests and... Yeah, I'm with you. A good example would be like Deus Ex, where you can, you know achieve your ends, you can hack the computer, you can climb through the skylight, you can steal the key card. Oh, it's all yep, different. Yep, yep. I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't there's know why only... I felt that was necessary. <laughs> there's only one way to solve the puzzles and those side quests. XCOM director breaks hearts and confirms that no new XCOM title is currently in development. That's Jake Sullivan, creative director of the rebooted XCOM franchise. Uh, Kale, I know you're sad about this. I don't really care because XCOM always broke my spirit. Yeah, I just like... Jake Solomon, first of all, is a fucking legend. Like from, I used to watch like all the old like pre-release stuff for the original. One sentence. XCOM. I'm going to keep running it then. The XCOM <laughs> reboot. He actually like worked with people that did the original XCOM. But anyway, he's just a good dude. Uh, this hurts me because I would have loved another one. Like both XCOM games are just like immaculate mechanically. There's so much good shit in there and i have no interest in marvel's midnight suns even though it's apparently all right yeah I just, another game I just that don't uh, care. jake solomon was the creative director on i didn't mention that but that was yeah, yeah similar most, vibe yeah similar it's his studio is firaxis they're pretty pretty good shit next up uk sales charts dead space remake outpaces for spoken in debut week the look honestly i'm, I'm not a surprise for spoken mm -hmm. as playstation only dead space is multi-platform but i'll give you the full uk sales charts as we go number one dead space number two fifa 23 number three god of war ragnarok number four for spoken number five mario kart 8 deluxe like what uh, number six, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Number seven, Fire Emblem Engage. Number eight, Nintendo Switch Sports. Number nine, Pokemon Violet. Number 10, Minecraft. Honestly, where did Mario Kart 8 come from? Is that Did they release something? Is DLC popping for that? I think it just keeps selling. It's like one of those forever games like GTA. Yeah, where wow. It just keeps selling. I guess... Yeah, anyway, that's, that's crazy. Uh, interesting to note that since The Last of Us has come out on HBO's, like, the TV adaptation... The Last of Us Part 1 has moved up to 15th place in the charts, and The Last of Us Remaster is actually at 31, so still charting, even though... It's pretty cool. It's probably a cheaper option for the budget-concerned gamers. Related story that we didn't include either, uh, Forspoken was actually outperformed uh, by Hi-Fi Rush in its debut week. So, according to SteamDB, 
And again, like, you know... Oh, that is interesting. According to Steam, you were saying? Yeah, Hi-Fi Rush is half the price of Forspoken, but at the same time, it came out of nowhere, whereas this is a Square Enix game that had a year of marketing push. It's pretty impressive. Forspoken just is not does not look very good, and I, I'm not going to play it, and I don't imagine you're going to play it. it I won't just even looks like <laughs> I won't even play it if it comes to PlayStation Plus. It looks terrible. I. It looks really bad, and it's funny too because I I saw uh, like people relating it to Hi-Fi Rush, like because I know the big thing with Forspoken is like the dialogue is cheesy as hell and really bad, and people were comparing it to Hi-Fi Rush because that is also kind of cheesy at moments. Yeah, uh, but I think it's a one is like a cartoon, you know, and it kind of fits. It kind of fits the style. Yeah, the other is a realistic, like a person supposedly from the real world. Like, yeah, that's yeah. why it's and ridiculous. So, it's I don't know, I, and it's interesting too because I I enjoyed Hi-Fi Rush even though they're scoring my combat, but I didn't. I don't like the thought of getting scored in combat in Forspoken. I think the difference is kind of that it reminds me of playing Guitar Hero, where you're yeah. getting, obviously getting scored for hitting the beat and being on beat. Um, and so, anyway, I don't know. It's, it is Forspoken just looks bad and I don't want to play it. I will say, just because the thought came to me, like, I actually like that about Crisis Core. Like, because of the way the combat system works, you get bonus XP and healed if you fight well. Mm. And I just like yeah, that. Like, true. Yeah, it's very rewarding. Well, it's because you get rewarded for, the, for yeah, getting it's scored not well. Just... You know, rather than just, like, you scored badly, you were bad. And you're like, oh... Uh, anyway, you've, I've given you way too long on that one. We're going to move right along. Star Wars J- Jedi Survivor has been delayed six weeks until the 28th of April. Uh, they l- did a whole tweet about it, but the main thing was that they are focusing on bug fixes, enhancing performance, stability, polish, and player experience is kind of what they're focusing on, just polishing it up. And I would say, based on playing Fallen Order relatively early in its life, take your time. Because that game was buggy and janky and like... Not fantastic at launch, and I think they should definitely clean that up. It's one of those things... It's it's weird, actually, looking at the release. I was trying to figure out if there was anything I wanted to review coming up. I don't even know that I play Jedi Survivor, and in fact, it's kind of like, even though there's a shitload of games coming out, I'm not really looking forward to any of them. It's very odd. Like, what is the next big game you are looking forward to? Can you even think of something? I can see. Well, I mean, there's that. I'll play that, but that's... I'm not even super stoked for it. Like, I'll just play it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, there was there was something else. It's honestly Final Fantasy 16 in like August is the next game I'm looking forward to. Uh, oh, obviously I've missed the boat on that one. That's already out. That's amazing. Power Wash Simulator. That's my next platinum. Let's go, baby. Came out two. It did first. Uh, Atomic Heart is the next one. Oh yeah, I'd like to review that. Actually, that'd be a good one. Uh, I would. I I'm actually like I'm a little bit on the. Oh wait, PS. Anyway, uh, Atomic Heart looks awesome, but I'm still like, I'd like to see a review before I buy it. Yeah, it could be jank. It could be real. It could be jank. And I saw something about game, like the gameplay where the open world isn't super open and, you know, like not a lot of, like it just feels a bit empty. And anyway, I just kind of want to see a review about it, but it does look very good. But I have been conned by a (laughs) awesome looking trailer before and I'm, I'm wary of that again. And that's it for Quickfire News, Kyle. That is it for the Quickfire News. Well, now it's time for the news we care about. All right, this one was pretty interesting. It kind of came out of nowhere too, but we got the news that 37 PSVR 2 games have been confirmed for launch. Uh, And it's... 
I don't know. I, I mostly put this here just to see how you're feeling about it. Again, I think I'm probably not going to get PSVR 2 like at launch. I might just wait. Because when I really think about it, I went through this whole list. There's nothing here that speaks to me. Not even one game. Like The only the only one that tickles my fancy just even a little bit and i i almost know that i shouldn't because i've played it before and it bugged me because the inventory is awful whatever is no man's sky yeah because it's multiplayer it's multiplayer yeah and so the thought of you and me being in no man's sky in multiplayer is kind of cool to me it like is that, pretty cool that would be sick flying ships and like doing shit together but i feel like no man's sky is such a time sink and we would never get to the point that i'd want to get to with it yeah where we have like a space station and we are doing things you know like yeah. getting to that feels so far away it's uh, just... but that's the one that i think would be really sick there's a couple on here i see nfl pro era i do want to be a quarterback in the nfl <laughs> and that honestly the fact it's on this is i saw immediately i was like yes like that's... i want that Awesome, yes. Uh, jumps, job simulator is interesting to me, and Grand Turismo 7 is interesting to me. But other than that, that's I don't know what most of these are. The worst part is, is when I'm really honest with myself, I know that if I bought a DualSense Edge, I would get more use out of it than a PSVR 2. Yeah, me too. And and not it, well, that's just because I would use it all the time. You know? Exactly. It enhances I it what I already. Time, but have. it's also half the price. What the do you do? We have a do we have a price for the PSVR in Australia? Uh, not on hand, and I won't look it up. Well, you lazy bitch! Oh my god! Yeah, and so this is why I will not be buying a PSVR two because in Australia it is a whopping eight hundred and seventy nine ninety five. Okay, and what's the Dual Sense? It's like six hundred. Three hundred and twenty. The oh, Dual Sense. Oh The Dual Sense Edge. It's a controller, dude. Three hundred and twenty dollars, I believe. Three hundred nineteen. Ah, uh, yeah, weird. For some reason, I thought it's like an oh, Xbox no. Elite. Yeah, that's right. I remember someone saying it was the price of a console. Oh, it's getting there. You yeah. can buy it. Like, I think. I think a digital edition PS Five is like four ninety nine. Interesting. Interesting. So that's that's why I'm like, you're you're gonna charge me more than half a console, like a console and a half, to play VR games, and not many of them. Like that's not the sell. If this came out at like four ninety nine, I would have considered it. Yeah, I just I guess but it can't. Nine hundred dollars. This is like, let's not forget the the, the PS three console was a thousand dollars, and that was atrocious. Like, yeah, that was. How are heavy. they charging me nine hundred dollars for some goggles and some controllers? Like the console is the unit. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's weird. Anyway. I just can't. I can't justify spending that much money. So maybe when it gets to the end of a life cycle and I can get one for like three hundred dollars, I'll think about it. But I, I just don't see myself committing with that list of games. I feel that. I feel that. I feel that. Uh, what I'm not feeling, Govinda. Actually, I don't really care, which is ironic considering this is the news we care about. But Xbox and Nintendo are reportedly joining Sony in skipping E3. I can throw some further fuel. On the fire here, VGC report is reporting that actually Microsoft might be there. So, I saw <laughs> that's a whole just thing some from the director of VGC that they won't be there, but they are still going to have a summer showcase at the LA Convention Center that week, which is what they've done before. But they just will not be on the show floor. I don't yeah. have the tweet in front of me, but the I saw a whole thread from the one of the directors or founders of VGC that was saying that. It's Andy Robinson. I'm on the uh, article now. Uh, he's saying that... Do, 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 
do uh, Microsoft traditionally holds its E3 live event away from the LA Convention Center and in 2019 it didn't have its booth there either instead opting for the neighboring Microsoft theater what they're saying is like they'll probably do something nearby but it might not be at E3 like where it traditionally is everything that everything that I saw from this coming out was that it's really specifically talking about the, the show floor of E3 won't yeah. have any of the three console manufacturers. That's right. It. That's right. Uh, and I think for people who are allowed to go there, that's disappointing. But as a general public member who cannot make it there, that doesn't disappoint me. I would just like to see... I'm sure Nintendo will do it in Nintendo Direct around then. I just think PlayStation has not a showcase for way too long. Yeah. So immediately, there's very little there for me. I'm not there for Xbox games or Nintendo games. Like, I'm there for... PlayStation and PC is what I want. <laughs> yeah, it really feels like they should just let E3 die, but I feel like there's a reason why it's still going, and I forget exactly what it is. But well, they were just bought by Reed Pop, I want to say. Like they've been, they're under new yeah. management. They're trying to like revamp it, and it it's they're in a tough position because now Jeff Keighley's Game Awards is a thing. It's like an established thing. Uh, and you get all the announcements and. Yeah, I mean, Gamescom isn't traditionally great for news, but it's a better event. Like, it's way bigger. And, like, Tokyo Game Show, that, I would even argue... There's still announcements. I would argue, like, TGS is more relevant than E3 in 2023. <laughs> like it's, well, because did, did TGS take any time off over COVID? I think they did. I think they did. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, E3 just felt like it died, and now they're trying to resurrect it, and I think res- resurrect it. And I think they just kind of need to let it go, honestly. It's a weird thing. Alrighty then. Uh, next one. This is a fun story. This is a fun story. I might need to refresh myself on it, but Activision... That's why, that's why I added this, because I was yeah. like, this is funny. <laughs> like, the tweet itself is kind of just funny. But continue. Yeah. So, an Activision Blizzard executive has said that The Last of Us on HBO proves that the Microsoft acquisition of... Activision Blizzard should go ahead. And it's just it's crazy this this executive she's like So so it's it's Lulu Cheng Masurvi who is the Vice President of Corporate Affairs and Chief Communications Office Officer at Activision Blizzard. Mm. And the tweet is the best. It literally goes, "Hi FTC, did you catch last night's episode of The Last of Us? It was incredible. No wonder the show is breaking records. It's a true blockbuster, watched by tens of millions. If you haven't already, you should check it out. You, you may be in, uh, particularly interested in the fact that... And then it retweets something from Kelly McLaughlin. Uh, Last of Us HBO continues to prove that it can be the greatest video game TV adaptation ever. I'm in awe. There's more to this too, where they're just talking yeah. about how Sony Sony's unrivaled... Uh, Sony has an arrivaled. Oh my god! It is a long thread, and we're not going to go through all of it. But talking about how Sony's unrivaled in video, like in movies and music and games, and the killer quote is, she says, "In gaming, Sony is the first of us," which is an outrageous thing for someone to say. Like, and goes on to say that they will be just fine without the FTC protection against monopolies. Which, I mean, like, believe what you want, but this person is not an honest broker. Like, her company is up for sale. I, oh, I imagine yeah. there's a financial incentive. Like, she's going to get <laughs> hella money if this thing goes through. Like, and, and it's just so bizarre because, like, how does a show being popular based on a game 
mean that the game itself is that popular. More people are watching the show than ever played the game. It's true. And while the sales are definitely up, The Last of Us will never be on par with Call of Duty. Ever. No, but I suppose an interesting... And she doesn't go right there and say it, but that parallel between The Last of Us and Halo is very real. Like, there's no comparing Halo to The Last of Us. Like, now that the HBO show is such a success, like, this is a massive mainstream breakthrough and Xbox has just never had that. Like, not cross-media, like, something that is just... Yeah, true, but I don't feel like they're pushing for it the way Sony is. And that's, like, a different strategy altogether, you know? And the difference... It's like... uh, And the difference that many others have pointed out is that Sony cultivated this. They didn't go out and buy Naughty Dog, like, you know, a little while ago. Naughty Dog for 25 years or so. Yeah, it's like... they've made this. That's the difference, is that Microsoft wants to drop $70 billion to buy Call of Duty and... Diablo. <laughs> That's the difference. And World of Warcraft. Like, they're, they're getting a lot in that deal. Uh, but it just seems it's so funny coming from someone who, like, a, an executive from Activision Blizzard. It's so funny. And I just think that it just doesn't, it doesn't really hit, you know? Like, the argument that she has doesn't really hit because that's not what the FTC trial is all about. It's about a game monopoly in the game industry. And it just doesn't really, it doesn't really, uh, Sit with me. Me either. Next up, it looks like Naughty Dog is ready to move on from The Last of Us, just like it did with Uncharted, which the interesting thing is that apparently an outline for a third game has been written. So whether it they mean like it's going to go away, like Uncharted did, has uh, for a little while, like I truly believe like a part three is inevitable now, given the success of the the show. I think it's hard for them to... Not well, look, make a game. <laughs> I, I can't load your website, so that's probably on me. I, I actually took more away that it was just like they said the same thing with the after the first Last of Us. Like, if we have a story that's compelling enough that we want to tell, we'll tell it. Yeah, and they're not going to force it, and I appreciate that. Uh, I actually feel like I felt like they already weren't going to do it, and the fact that he said this was more that there's the, still the door is still open for a Last of Us Part Three, if yeah. anything. It didn't really feel like a closing of a door, but felt more like an opening of a door, in, in my opinion. Uh, but I honestly, I know they're going to do another one, and I just wish they wouldn't. Uh, unre- I mean, it's related, but it's slightly different story. Have you caught that new Sony marketing push? Like this new ad that's going around like live from PS5? Uh, I haven't seen it, but I've seen people talking about it and how it's like potentially an Uncharted game getting teased yeah. there a little bit. Which is interesting. Like, it's clearly they're talking about Uncharted and there's, like, a younger girl pictured. So, you know. If you've played all of the games, you'll know what we're talking about. Cop that. So that's interesting. Like, maybe it is time for Uncharted to come back and for Lost... It won't uh, be Naughty Dog. That's true, but... It will not be Naughty Dog. They'll, they're going to let that go to someone else if they're going to do it. Uh, it wasn't the, the word that maybe uh, Bend, Sony Bend was working on. An Uncharted game. But then I think they got out of it. Or, like, they yeah, didn't have fair. to anymore. I'd like like to see, like, Bluepoint do it. They did the remasters. Why couldn't they yeah, do an honestly, original? Give them, a, give them a real game. Like uh, Not a real game, but, like, give them a full game, you know? No, like no. A, their You're own right. game. A real game. A real game. <laughs> <laughs> Demon's Souls is a real game. They're just copy and paste it. Now, uh, <laughs> do you have anything more to say on that? Is that fine? 
Uh, look, give me a sec. I just wish your website would load for me. It's really annoying me that I can't. Mine's like snappy, so I think it's your bad internet. Honestly, we're sort of just in the uh, Last of Us rocker block right now. So, just really quickly, are you all right with slight casting spoilers for the HBO show later in this season? Is that all right with you? Yes. You're all right with that? I don't give a shit. Yes. There was an interesting uh, interview with Variety uh, talking to Neil Druckmann and. Craig Mazin about the show. Uh, they were asked what what element uh, that was missing from the game was he most excited about including in the TV series, uh, and it's quite interesting. Apparently, we're going to get an episode later in the season about Ellie's mum, which we know very little Ooh. about. Uh, we know that she will appear. Her name is Anna, uh, and she'll actually be played by Ashley Johnson, the voice of Ellie in the game. Ah, too, it's pretty cool and like he even said that there, were, there is kind of like a, a poetry to that like she gets to come full circle and that's kind of cool but uh, it goes on to talk about how they had plans for a DLC that would focus on Ellie's mum for the first game and they just never got there that is, I wish they did more DLC for it honestly but yeah. it is what it is they're not going to do DLC for The Last of Us Part 2 are they? I believe not I believe not. That's that's sad. It is sad. And finally, I don't know how we didn't talk about this, but I guess we didn't. Um, Bruce Straley was not credited in HBO's The Last of Us. Uh, he has since called for unionization in the video game industry so that creators can be... He's got a point. That's where I come down on this. Like Bruce Straley, one of the creators of The Last of Us, just as responsible as Neil Druckmann, although... From a different angle, apparently. Apparently, his was more of the art, like the visuals. Building of, the world and stuff. Yeah, and the characters yeah. too. Like, you know, maybe not the lead narrative writer, but fleshing out the world, its look and its feel. That's just as essential. Uh, yeah, not credited at all in the HBO show. Instead, we get a screen saying, written by Neil Druckmann, written for TV by Neil Druckmann, Craig Mazin. Nothing for our boy Bruce Straley. <laughs> Now, this is an interesting one because it's mm. not... You can't put this on the level of someone who wrote a book or someone who wrote a script. And the reason is he created this game for Naughty Dog. Yeah. So it's Naughty Dog's game. It's not his. And that's the difference. If I write a script and I sell it, it's my script and I get credited for it. But he made a game for Naughty Dog. What do you think about the erasure then? Because, again, there is a splash screen that says written by Neil Druckmann. You know, Neil Druckmann was only 50% of the show. It goes on to say separately, like, based on the video game by Naughty Dog, you could say that Bruce Straley is... That's his credit. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because he did more than that. Let's not pretend he did, like, just as much as anyone else at the studio. (laughs) But it's like giving the designer... Like, I saw someone attribute this to, like... It's like saying that whoever designed the Aston Martin in a James Bond movie needed to be specifically named for designing the car in the movie as a credit. Let me think but about that. But th- instead, it's a special thanks to Aston Martin. He's a designer that works for a company, and when you sign your contract, anything you create is the company's IP. They own it. Yeah. So, uh, well, I think, sure, he, maybe it would have been nice to give him a nod and say, like... Uh, special thanks to Bruce Straley. That might have been nice to do. At no point do I feel like they he does, he's owed it. He has the Actually, credit. He has the credit in the game, and that's where it should be. 
but he didn't. He wasn't involved in the TV show. Okay, but doesn't so uh, by your logic, do you think J.R.R. Tolkien deserves a a shout out in the Lord of the Rings movies? He didn't work on the show. He only wrote the no. books upon which they are based. Upon. But of he, course he created the. It. But the difference is he didn't he didn't write the Lord of the Rings for a company. No. He wrote it and then sold it, and it was his. So whenever you work he... for any company, whenever you work for any company in the world, any company, if you sign a contract for them, if you design something in that space, it is theirs. They own it. Mm. I signed it when I worked at Apple. Any IP I created was Apple's, and that's why, like, you couldn't be a software engineer and be designing apps while working for the company that called a conflict, and you would either pick one or the other. And so it's, it's one of those things. That's that why I say I... you can't compare it to an author of a book because the author of the book is a sole individual who created it and then sold it to a publisher. Yeah, it's funny because the only real example I can think of, and I don't even know that I necessarily agree with this, is Andrei Sapkowski and The Witcher, where he sold too early. Right, he wrote The Witcher books. He sold. I think he got a couple of million. CD Projekt takes the games, turns it into a fucking megalith. It becomes a TV show. Under a statute in Polish law, he is allowed to come back and be like, look, it's fair enough that you've made way more off this than it was sold for. Obviously, this was more valuable. And under Polish law, he is entitled to renegotiate that contract. He gets more money. And I don't know For that sure. I necessarily agree with that, but that's the one example I can think of where the creator has actually gotten something back after it became something bigger. But again, he wrote that by himself. Like he wasn't he wasn't working for a house that a a, a company that's whole purpose was to write books. Yeah, but he wrote it and then he sold it. And now there was a law protecting him as the creator of that thing, but according to the law, Bruce Straley didn't create it, Naughty Dog did. Because yeah, he worked I see your for them point. at the time. You know what I mean? So, well, I think, it, I think honestly, it would probably be nice for them to have like a special thanks or like uh, created by Neil Druckmann oh, and yeah. Bruce Straley somewhere in there. I think that would be nice. I don't think he's owed it. And I don't think he's owed any money from this. And I think yeah. if, 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 if he, I guess you'd never know because you work in the game industry, but maybe he should have put something, he would have... He should have put something in the contract that stipulated any like revenue from multimedia, yeah. cross-media of this, he gets some of, but that's not in there and he signed the contract and that is what it is. I, I'm totally fine with all that. I think it just reflects really poorly on Naughty Dog mostly, but sort of Neil Druckmann as well because they were always sold as a pair and like good friends too. So for the fact that like everyone loves Neil Druckmann right now, like it's kind of in poor form that he didn't push for a special mention for the, you know, the guy that helped him get where he is. To be fair, we don't know that. We don't know that. We We're don't speculating know that. that he didn't try to do it and maybe Sony or Naughty Dog said no. And so, it's, it's certainly clear that Straley left under strained. I wrote the article. That's the specific word they use. Yeah. Strained is the relationship between Straley and Naughty Dog. And so at the end of the day, like... He left. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. There's many layers to why that happened, but he left the company. And if he stayed with them, who knows? He might have been co-writer on the show as well. I will say this. I totally agree. But there is some. I'd be fucking furious if I was him. That the dude from Chernobyl gets the writing credit for the universe he created. The guy from Chernobyl 
just came in for the TV adaptation. He did fuck for all. For sure, but he wrote it for TV and to write it for TV is definitely different than just to copy and paste what came yeah, out of the game. That's and fine. Then, <laughs> but but we'll, we'll talk about it then next because we'll talk about episodes two and three of the show. But like episode three is completely not in the game. It's a complete rewrite of characters. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with Chernobyl writer. Uh, what's his name? Uh, anyway, Craig May. I, I have no problem with him getting full credit for writing this because it's completely different in, in its own way. It's its own special thing. So, to be, uh, anyway, I'm, I, again, I think it would have been nice. Yeah, but I don't think he's owed anything. And unionization, if it works for you, go right ahead. Yeah, to give uh, full thrift to what he was saying, like he, his point of view was that like it's. There is nothing for Bruce Straley to point to. There is no, like, uh, yeah, like, writing credits for this incredibly popular thing. He in no way can be, you know... He doesn't get recognition for his skill. Like, take money out of it. Like, he just wants to be able to say, hey, this was something I helped create, and they couldn't even, like, put the text in. You couldn't know? he still do that? I mean, everyone like, I, I, knows. Sure, it's one of those things. Sure, it, well, that's what I mean. Like, sure, it's not on the show, but the show is The Last of Us. And you go, hey, here is the game. And it says, created by Bruce Straley and Neil Druckmann. That's the credit. Like, he's got the credit for the world in the game. And the show directs you to the game. So I feel like he still kind of gets the recognition for it. I, I just think that he, he came off as like a bit of a like, disgruntled ex-employee. Here you go. I'll give you the actual quote. I didn't expect it to be here this long, but he, he said, Straley, uh, quote, it's an argument for unionization that someone who was part of the co-creation of that world and those characters isn't getting credit or a nickel for the work they put into it. He said, maybe we need unions in the video game industry to be able to protect its creators. Again, back to he did get credited, and he did he did get many nickels when he worked for Naughty Dog and created the game. That was his recognition for that game, and it's expanded beyond that. And he left, and he's starting his own studio at this point, and that was a decision that he made. And that's just how it is. I, I don't think unionization is necessarily a bad thing. I think if he was in a union at the time of getting his contract, maybe they would have put a clause in there about if it expands beyond games. Yeah, you get something in that, right? So maybe that is something, but I just think that yeah, this when I first saw this, I was like, "You are just a little bit butthurt," as you would be. I, I would oh, be I'd devastated be that, I, that I missed that opportunity. Right? I'd be devastated. But at, the, but at the same time, I've worked with a, I've worked with someone at Apple who sold their stocks way too early and lost like two million dollars of stocks because they sold them in like two thousand and eleven, like an idiot. Yeah. And so it just you make bad decisions sometimes in life, and it happens, and you just it just happens, you know. That's what it is. Uh, well, we should talk about the show and get out of here. Um, so we've had two more episodes. We had episode two, Infected, actually directed by Neil Druckmann. And then we had episode three, I'm blanking on the name. It was called, like, Forever I don't know names. Do you have names? I don't know why I know that. Whatever you're doing with that. your hand is so distracting. It's all right. My iPad's about to die. It's fine. I got 10%. She'll be right. Uh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. 10% is more than enough. God, that was so off-putting. <laughs> uh, episode two. Episode, uh, I, 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 actually, before we do this, full game and show spoilers. So if you want to play or watch and you haven't done either of them, yeah, this is the that, end of the podcast for you. So yeah, no. That goes without saying. It's really weird that people like don't spoil the game. You're like, what are you doing watching the show? <laughs> this game came out 
10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. good. Uh, so episode two was pretty awesome. It was like quite a step up in terms of action. We got to see the clickers. Uh, of course, we saw the, the death first of time. Tess. Quite sad. Um, Very, uh, obviously, without spores in the game. It, well, I guess it wasn't even without spores in the game. It all happens a little bit differently because obviously when Tess goes in the game, Fedra rolls up to the building, right? And yeah, she like right. holds she holds them off with weapons and guns. Yeah. But instead, the mycelial mycelium network is triggered, and they all come, all the infected come rushing in, and instead she blows them up. Uh, now, I did initially have a problem with this that I think you, maybe was it you corrected. But she drops a bunch of grenades on the ground in gas and then tries to light a lighter to light the fire. And I, mm. and I didn't understand what was going on. Like, why not just pull a pin in a grenade and lob it? Mm. That was my thing. That's your qualm? That's what you took away? Yeah. But then someone told me that, uh, like, grenades aren't explosives. Like they don't have, like, fire. It is force. Remind so me to... No uh, circle back to this when we talk about episode three, but this is a very Stephen King-like uh, complaint for you. Small. A no, small it was just, complaint. they put a lot of, they put a lot, and a, a lot of focus on her trying to light a lighter in a pile, of, like with a puddle of gasoline and like seven frag grenades on the ground. And in my mind, you would throw the frag grenade and there would have to be some explosion to make it frag, right? Trigger, there would have to be yeah. some explosion, right? And apparently that isn't a thing, according to someone I said this to. Well, but my, I think they're wrong. Well, yeah, my understanding of a fragmentation grenade is that there is no explosion. It's just what is launched is the ball bearings and everything inside, the, like the shrapnel that comes out of it. It's well, not no, like the, a the, sh- the shrapnel. The shrapnel comes from the grenade shell, and that's why it's like that's where the frags the fragments come from. I don't think they fill them with things additionally, but I need to do some research on this. I thought there would be at least some sort of ignition for a grenade to explode. Yeah. I could be wrong, but here we are. But that bothered me a little bit. But uh, obviously we've got, we had the big, do we, we can, we can work towards it, but I'm also trying to get out of here at the same time. But the kiss. Well, the kiss that was, death. I thought that was really cool. Like again, reading about it, they said, that's what happens if you don't resist them. Like the, these uh, runners, yeah, like they, they don't actually want to hurt you. They just want to spread the disease and they do it the o- orally. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason they're violent is because you're resisting. And if you just let it happen, it's kind of like a, I don't know, not Super rapey but, kiss. But, but this weird like kiss that no one wants. Yeah. No. I don't want yeah, that. So that was interesting. But uh, the clickers looked fantastic. I really oh, I yeah. thought they were done really well. And I think uh, it's, it's, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the same, the people who did the, clicking noises and vo- I, I don't know quote unquote voices for the clickers are the set in the game also oh. do it in the show I didn't know that that's fun yeah yeah so they got the same people I, I, I guess they're people obviously but whoever did it in the game also it. did it in the show yeah. uh, so you can you have that nostalgia you know instantly hear it and you go that's right that's the right noise it was a really good episode and then it just kind of bled into the third which is kind of the big topic i think here like everyone fucking freaked out about this third episode which was really good as well it was very very good but it's also the biggest departure from the game and when i say biggest departure i mean almost other than the characters existing a complete departure from the game because you're essentially in a full flashback episode almost entirely with bill yeah. Uh, in, instead of living in like, uh, I could correct me if I'm wrong too. I haven't played this game for a while, but he doesn't live in a town like that. 
No. In the, in the game, he lives in like an apartment complex with a garage and a basement. It's a house, but it's the town itself is way more built up than what we see in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This town uh, seems so, like rural in the episode. Yeah, like, he looks like he's in a rural place. He's surrounded it all with like a wire electric fence with defenses, and he's he the just classic lives by himself. And yeah, he's like classic libertarian prepper. You know, like he's got the basement full of guns. He's got the Gadsden flag. He's, you know, he is that guy. And so in the game, when, you, when they talk about going to see Bill and Frank, you get there and Frank's already gone and it's just Bill there. And through your little like rummaging through people's private property, you find the note from Frank to Bill explaining that he left because he couldn't stand being around Bill anymore and he was driving him fucking crazy and he yeah. was going to go out and if he dies, he dies and he doesn't care because he couldn't be with him any longer. Yeah. But in the show... We get a beautiful gay romance, which goes for a full hour. <laughs> and it's like it's a, very emotional. It's like Oh yeah, and it's and it's nothing to do with like hate at all. It's just them growing old together and going through shit together. Yeah. And, it's quite nice actually. <laughs> it's and the the bit that kind of like you kind of meet you kind of see how Tess and Joel meet Bill and stuff in the first place, and that's just they meet over the radio that was never in the game. Um, uh, the, and it's, I think this is the best thing this show does is it puts new light on the things that happen in the game. Like I picked up on in this show, they mentioned that Joel and Tess have been together for like 15 years, which makes it yeah, yeah, yeah. super sad when you consider the last episode where she was like, I never asked you to think about me the way I feel about you. And you're yeah. like, what a fucking dick that he just like <laughs> for never fifteen told, years, dude. Yeah, never told her that he loves her in fifteen years. Like, it's kind of rough. Yeah, a, that is true, and it was it was just such an awesome episode because it's obviously like as they get older, and and I like that they do like a little bit of a switch because there's a point where Frank and Bill are like jogging in the morning, like a morning mm. jog, and Bill's like, I'm sorry, I'm getting older faster than you. And then it yeah. cuts forward and Frank's like in a wheelchair and obviously is suffering from some disease that I don't know if we ever get told explicitly what it is, but... I was listening to a like podcast. A they seem to think it's like ALS, not necessarily cancer. It was like a degenerative muscular yeah. disease. Yeah, Like he was losing motor function. He couldn't paint anymore. Obviously, he was getting pretty down on that. And it turns into like a euthanasia situation where it's not necessarily like I need to die and because I hate you it's like I just can't I've had a good life I can't keep living yeah and ultimately and Bill joins him like they it's which a, again the biggest departure from the game is because Bill is in the game yeah and I think that's and actually so, my biggest problem with it is that while it's cool and it does some awesome stuff we we actually never get to see Ellie interact with Bill which is kind of yeah. awesome in the game like they never meet in this. It's true, but I don't know if the interaction is what you would expect because the Bill in the show is a very different Bill. He's less, like, friendly, paranoid and... Well, in the game, he's super paranoid. Like, yeah, he's like, yeah. He doesn't trust anyone or anything, but in this, he's, like, kind of friendly. Like, more friendly anyway. at least friendly, he gets anyway. to be, yeah. He's more open to being friendly and, uh, I don't know, I just think the... It, I kind of... I thought it was a... Personally, I thought it was a way nicer way to handle Bill and Frank than just like a, you're a fucking prepper and you're fucking driving me up the walls and I'd rather go out and die by myself than be with you a minute longer. So it, was, it seemed like a bit of a nicer way for the two to exist in the world. Yeah. Uh, 
And I, I'm not a, I don't cry, like ever. I'm dead inside. But this show, you like towards the end, you, you, you're getting there, choked up a little bit, you know? See, I think you're all a bunch of massive babies. I saw everyone on Twitter going, I bawled my eyes out. It was, oh, Emily like, was it definitely was bawling her eyes out. Yeah. <laughs> so was Aaron. It, it was sad, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't the end of the Green Mile. All right. That's where I well, cried. Well, no, no, no one compared to that. I didn't know that's why you had to bring that up. That's horrific. Like maybe the only movie I've ever cried in. That's so sad. That's what Aaron was giving me shit for. She's like, I, I never cry. I cried when my baby was born. And when I see videos of like soldiers coming home from the war and they're like, like they don't know, like their kids don't know they're coming home. Like that yeah, shit yeah. gets me. That gets me. <laughs> dog stuff. Old dogs. That's going to do it. This episode dogs that have been lost. <laughs> dogs no. that have been lost for like ages and then they somehow get found again. They yeah. remember their owners. That'll get you. That's brutal. This episode. I thought it was. I actually really <laughs> liked it. I, I don't know. The. I'm going to be real with you. I'm not sold on Ellie. I'm still not sold. I'm fine with that. I think my issue is, like, even though this show is long, like, this was like an hour and 15 minute episode of TV, it feels like it's moving too quickly because we've got episode four coming up and they're clearly in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you've seen the trailers, but... Uh, no, I haven't seen the trailers, but I did see an interview with, please give me his name again, the writer. Craig Mazin. I did see an interview with Craig Mazin talking about getting renewed and he's hoping they get renewed and I think I could be wrong but we can double check it I'm pretty sure that it has been renewed for season two but it sounded like they are doing the whole game in one season oh yeah they're doing the first game in this season yeah I think the which to me blows my mind because you are going to have to crank through this but they're going to do two seasons for the second game Roughly. And I feel like if they're going to do... I wonder how they do it. It'd be interesting if they did two seasons and it's Ellie's season and, and Abby's season. That would be really interesting. I, and th- like that you might just, be a bit much. You get much. the crossover. I, it would be, but it's going to be yeah. a bit much for anyone anyway when you just start seeing this random Abby chick out of nowhere for ages. It's going to be the, so toxic. Let's be honest. The public is not ready no. for the start of that, of that. They're not ready. and Especially after the journey they're about to go through. But it means that... The next one is when they are driving through Pittsburgh. Is it Pittsburgh? And they yep. get like Ambush. hit by the Raiders. That'll be lit. And that's where we get, um, what is it, Sam and Henry? That's where Yeah, that'll happen them. at some point. I- I'm real foggy, honestly. Like, I'm yeah, actually that... pretty hyped to-, to get part one at some point. They run $125. They run into them towards the end of Pittsburgh. Uh, they're running from the car and they fall in the water. And that's where they get to that whole bit where they go through the underground and, like, the sniper in the suburbs. Yep. Oh, yeah. The sniper bit is fantastic. In the That'll game. be cool. That being such a hectic part. Uh, so, presumably, Troy Baker is going to be the cannibal rapey guy in the snow, right? David. I hope so. That's I do my hope assumption so. is he will play David. Because I think be I cool. saw something about him playing such a different character. Yeah. You and know, David I, I actually very forget different. that he was Joel sometimes. Because there's a podcast that he does now, and it's like he had Neil and Craig on it. And I was like, why was Troy Baker there? <laughs> then I remembered, I was like, oh, shit. How could you forget all the cringy moments at all these, like, showcases where they're on stage being like, oh, man, I love you guys as Joel and Ellie. Oh, we love you as oh, Joel God. and Ellie. <laughs> I will say this, just to get us out of here. Uh... We're in for a fucking roller coaster because when I was watching episode three, Neil Druckmann tweeted, Why is everyone crying? This is the happy episode. 
which really oh, yeah. set shit up for me. I was like, oh my god, yeah, we're gonna go to some dark places. Uh, it's, I hope they don't change the ending. I really hope they leave the ending the way it was because I think it was so good and I just want to see Twitter's reaction to the ending for people who have not played the game. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's kind of exciting to watch like how people... I will say this, like for me, it's like slightly... It's It was cool this episode, but it is like, you know what's going to happen. You know yeah, what's coming. Exactly. Like it's, it's slightly lessened for us players of the game, but I guess it's not really meant for us. But I also think it maybe see like... Part, the Last of Us Part 2 maybe would do better as a show because I think the final reveal about who Abby's father was, they could maybe push it later into the show. Yeah. Because I think that is a big reveal. It's just and so you're like, hard oh, for That's them. why she's doing what she's doing. I just can't imagine being in that situation, like expecting the audience to not know that even though like the game has been out for years and like that's just... It's, it's people true, are spoiling it all the time, like... Oh, that's true. I was going to say, based on the numbers of people watching the show, like, more pe- way more people are watching the show than ever played the game. Yeah, for sure. But at the like, same time... Like, 10 million plus watching, and they've got 4 million that have played it. You only need, like, 100 people on Twitter spreading spoilers to ruin it all. Yeah, but Twitter <laughs> is a little... Twitter is pretty insular, and not as many people use it as you would think. It's the smallest of the medias. Yeah, it is. But anyway, Kale, uh, I very much enjoyed... I feel like each episode has been better than the last in The Last of Us, and I'm very much looking forward to episode four. I think the fourth's uh, going to be really good. I think I like the second episode the best so far. I guess so. I think it was... I, I, I like this one more just because I didn't have a fucking clue what was happening and what was going on. I will say, actually, real quickly, one other bit that really pissed me off. When the Raiders show up, why the fuck is Bill standing in the middle of the street with yeah, a sniper that. rifle? <laughs> yeah, that was my complaint to Aaron. I'm like, bro, <laughs> you have a scope on that. Why are you not in a room? In yeah, a why aren't you in the house? In the door? Like, I do, anyway, I do regret uh, that we didn't get that whole sequence where they're like looking for the battery. They go to the high school. They run into the bloater. Like, that's all some of the best stuff in the game. That is true. They, we still haven't seen a bloater yet. That I, don't I, think, I also like. I don't think I there are bloaters it. in the show. Is my understanding. Oh. oh, and another fun thing. Did you hear they confirmed... No, wait, 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 wait. What am I, what am I thinking about? I could have sworn they were talking about the different stages of them and how long they live for and that... They were talking about the clickers, like just the actual clickers themselves. Oh, that's disappointing. As far I as I understand... I also wanted the, I, I wanted the ode to the game where you're hanging upside down in his garage. Yeah, that would have been cool. And I wanted, to see, I wanted to see that. I think that would have been a nice little like touch, but anyway. I, I, oh. I still like the episode a lot. I just forgot something relevant and Good. that's going to It wasn't me. important. All right. Well, anyway, this has been episode 79. This may be the last episode of Long Live Play. We haven't decided, but this is just a heads up just in case you never hear us again. Uh, <laughs> sorry to drop that bomb on you. Uh, see you later, Kale. Goodbye.